Good morning. It is great joy to be in Mound, Minnesota today, and to be home with you, our home church. As I shared on Friday, once again, I want to say thank you for your many prayers, your support, for your encouragement, and for sending some of people here to Macedonia. It's been a great joy working together with Pastor Dave, with Seth, with the Runkles. They have been there these past years, so thank you. In my life, it all kind of started about six, about 31 years ago when I was six years old. I grew up in Butterfield, Minnesota. I went to a Christian school, K through six there, and I heard about Jesus Christ. My teacher was Cheryl Zarek, and she was saying that we are all sinners separated from Christ. And she shared the good news that Jesus Christ came to earth to die on the cross. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we're still sinners, Christ died for me, for you, for all of us. Then we could have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And I so badly wanted that. But guess what? A four-letter word, which at times has dominated my life and many people. It's fear. Fear held me back that day to saying, yes, Lord, I'm a sinner. I need you. Come into my life and save me. I went home, and I was afraid. What would happen to me if I were to die? I'd go to hell because I did not know Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. But about a week later, Cheryl Zarek, my teacher, once again, shared the good news, the gospel. How Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins, rose again, and that we can have a relationship with him if we would confess our sins and put our total faith, surrender our lives to him. And it was in that day, at six years of age, I said yes to Jesus Christ. My mother said, I went home that day, and I told my younger brother Jeremy, 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 repent, or you're going to hell. So at a young age, I had some kind of fire to share. So I went to Christian school from there, seventh grade. I transferred to Butterfield Public School. I started playing sports. I love sports. Who here loves sports? Yep, Isaiah, Caleb, many of you love sports. And it was to be my senior year. Starter for the football team, captain for the basketball team, center fielder for the baseball team. I was pumped for that year. But I was running a Z20 reverse cut up field, and boom. No one touched me, but it was as if God struck lightning and zapped my leg. I tore three ligaments, cracked a bone, stretched up my nerves. I couldn't raise my toes up and down for two years. And it was hard. It's like, Lord, if you are God of this universe, if you truly do love me, for God's love the world, the Bible tells me so, why would this happen to my knee? Why can't I play sports again? That's what the doctor said. There's a possibility I never play sports again. And it was so hard on me. God, where are you now? But I felt God speaking right to my heart. Brian, who is Lord of your life? Is it really me, Jesus Christ? 
Or is it sports? Who's controlling your life? Who's leading your life? Is it Jesus Christ? Is it sports? Is it your job? Is it your ministry? Is it your family? Who is number one in your life? And at that time, if I had to answer honestly, I would have had to say it was sports. Sports was dominating, controlling, leading my life. And God started doing surgery in my heart to show me that Christ needed to be and wants to be first place in my life. To be my joy, to be my treasure, to be my Lord, to be my all in all. It's easy to say in church, oh, I love Jesus. But how about the, every other day of, your, of the week? Do people see that you love Jesus? Can they see that in you? Wow. Guy loves Jesus at his work. Look at Eddie. He's a Jesus freak. He loves the Lord. Can people see that in you guys? That you're sold out for Christ? After the knee injury, after that year, um, I went on my first mission trip to Brazil, South America. I remember being in New York beforehand, training. And I am thinking, I must be crazy. I had a lot of fear in high school to share my faith with my friends and my classmates. Why am I going to another country that does not speak English like I do? Hello! But guess what? God transformed my life. We went there. We shared the gospel with so many people. And hundreds of people said yes to Christ. We even went to a jail cell. And there was this guy who was going to commit suicide. He had a rope. And he was going to hang himself in that jail cell. Because he had no hope. He was giving up in life. Because he had no hope. But we went there that morning. The gospel was shared. I had the opportunity to share my testimony. And guess what? This man that wanted to commit suicide to give his life away said yes to Jesus Christ. He received Christ in his life as his Lord and Savior. And at the end of that morning, he said, I want to give this rope to you. I was going to kill myself. And it was just amazing. If we were there 12 hours later, more than likely that man would be in hell because he did not have hope. But God has sent us there that morning. And he said yes to Christ. And it started shaking my life. It's like, wow, this is kind of fun. Sharing my faith, people are receiving it. I went back to, I went back to the States, attended Crown College, um, 97. Eventually got part of, involved in street-level ministry. Then I think it was November 12th of 97, a mission conference. And I felt God tugging my heart to be part of missions of going overseas. And I said, yes, Lord, I will go anywhere you call me. And as I shared before, I thought all good missionaries go to Africa. And I was willing to go anywhere in the world except Europe. And now we serve in Macedonia, Europe. God sure has a sense of humor. But again, why didn't I, or why don't we, share Christ? I think oftentimes it is fear. We are afraid of what people think about us. We are afraid that we don't have the right words to say. We are stuck in thinking, uh, what should I do? What should I say? A lot of times it's apathy. Friday night comes. I'm not going to go share Christ with my neighbor or downtown or wherever. I'd rather just stay and enjoy. And that's okay to enjoy just watching the sports game, whatever. But 
I think so often it can be apathy in our own lives or lack of knowledge. I don't know the Bible good enough. Why do they ask me a hard question? What do I say? For me, a big one is discouragement. I share with this guy three, four, five times, and he doesn't really listen to me. I'm discouraged, God. This neighbor doesn't want to hear. Why start with another neighbor? Why start with someone else? I don't even know. I'm discouraged, Lord. There's no hope. But friends, there is great hope in Jesus Christ. Please once again open your text to Acts chapter 1, verses 6 to 11. Acts chapter 1, verses 6 to 11. This is right before Jesus Christ ascends into heaven. He's with his disciples. Starting with verse 6 in Acts chapter 1. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking to the sky? This same Jesus, who has been taken from you into heaven, will come back in the same way you have seen him going to heaven. Amen. A few questions from this text. Verse 6 there, why are the disciples asking Jesus, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? I believe so many people were expecting an earthly king to come and to set them free and to take up leadership at that time. But Jesus says, it's not for you to know the times or dates. The Father is set by his own authority. Even in Matthew 24, 36, it says, no one knows the day or the hour that the Lord will come back. Only the Father knows. But Jesus' heart, his intention, he doesn't ridicule them for asking, but he says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. There's such great hope in this passage. There's such great hope. And one day Jesus Christ is coming back as our ruler. And he wants to come in today to rule and to be the joy of your life, to take control. The question is, are we following Christ as he's asked us to be, his witnesses throughout the world? Or is this task this opportunity only for Pastor Dave, only for the Bible students, for Guy and for Seth, only for the missionaries? Or do you think it's for everyone that God is calling us to go and to share the good news? I'm encouraged by Guy and Brenda. I think if it's weekly or monthly, they're inviting their neighbors for desserts and stuff and just showing the love of Christ. 
through having a meal. And that's what Christ did so often. He had meals, and he spent time with people. It really is having a friendship, a relationship with someone, and sharing your life. I know my good friend Mike, he came to Christ through a neighbor that just listened to him and, and answered his questions. He didn't judge him. He loved him. And that's what God is calling us to do, is to love people. White people, black people, orange people, blue people, Macedonian people. Every type of people. God wants us to love them. And to share with them with great boldness that Christ is the answer. This past summer, my family was at an English camp, Speak Out. It's a partnership with Crew Ministry. We've done it for about three years, and it was so exciting being there this year. First of all, we were able to share the gospel, and 12 people came to Christ during this time. And one of my students, Alexander, had come to Christ, which was so powerful. But even greater than that was seeing my daughter Joy, almost 14 now, translating one of the American tutors that was there, translating the gospel. And God used my daughter Joy in about three or four people's lives, watching them, experiencing them come to Christ. I think it's great when you get to share get the gospel and someone says yes to Christ. But I think it's all the greater seeing your kids walking in your footsteps. As Dave loves Jesus, Caleb's following along. Mia's following along. Walking and following Jesus Christ. What a joy that is. And I know to the Father's heart, to God's heart, when we as his children are following him, there is great joy in that. And we're discipling others along. I believe that God has a huge smile. He's saying, boy, keep doing it. Keep sharing the good news. There in verse 8, but you will see power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Christ is calling us to be his witnesses, to testify about his death and resurrection, to testify how much Christ loves each one of us. Does Christ live in you today? Are you obeying God's call in your life to go and make disciples of all nations? Are you being obedient and sharing the good news? You may ask, where is my Jerusalem at? For us, in Macedonia, we live in Skopje. And I think our Jerusalem was five seconds from where I slept. We have a house group, so I just go downstairs in their living room, and that's where our church plant was, basically in our living room. It was right there where we were living. It's your local community, your local church. And it was so exciting to see God work in people's lives like Toshe, Philip, Bobby, Vesna, Jole. Some of you guys know these people I just mentioned up, but Jole is my best Macedonian friend. About seven years ago, I was learning the language, uchi uchi glavabuchi, study, study, makes your head tingle. And I pulled out a track. Actually, I have it with me right here. A gospel track. Kopnej, the Stoposo Zivot, Longing for 100% Life, or the Four Spiritual Laws. I was going through, through it with him. My friend Igor also shared the gospel with him. And Jole accepts Christ seven years ago. 
Then five years ago, our church had a baptism. And guess what? Joel takes a step of obedience. He gets baptized. And he says, yes, world, I want to follow Jesus. And in Macedonia, that's a huge step. It's almost like a Muslim man, a Muslim, coming to Christ. You can be ridiculed by your family and lots of pressure come upon you. But Jolay took that step. Then about three years ago, I saw Jolay in action. He is testifying, witnessing of what Christ did in his life, pulls out this gospel track and shares it with another Macedonian. And guess what? This other guy gets saved. And just seeing this guy, Jolay, coming to Christ seven years ago, a little baby, then he's a toddler, then he's like a teenager, he's sharing Christ, and guess what today? This house group, this church plan we've been a part of for these past four years, Jolay now is one of the leaders of this church group. There is hope, brothers and sisters. If God can do that in Jolay's life, who lost his mother at age six, whose father persecuted, abandoned, and abused him, who was raised by his grandma, God can do it in you. There is hope, brothers and sisters. The next part here is, be my witnesses in Judea. For us in Macedonia, in Skopje, I think of Judea, is the different Sen churches. We're part of three different Sen churches. One it was our house group. Other one is in Majari. Another one is the one with Pastor Perl. It's called Word of Hope. It's been there for about 15, 16 years now. It meets in a pizzeria place. And God has called our family to go back there and to serve once again with Pastor Perl. Pray for us. This church here today in Macedonia, what I see, this is a mega church. And the average church there is about 30 or 40 people. And that's Perdo's church. It's about 30 or 40 people. My prayer is that the next four years that this church would be in Macedonia, that we would have 70, 80 people. Praise God for what he's doing here. And we will praise God for what he is and will be doing at Westward. I mean at Word of Hope in Macedonia. Pray for that. Pray that God would raise up disciples to follow Christ. Then it says, you'll be my witnesses in Samaria. You may ask, Samaria? Weren't they the outsiders? The outcasts? Who wants to talk to them? I think for us, in Skopje, Macedonia, our Samaria, or the people that are seen as outsiders, are the Albanians. It's a city called Tetovo, or Tivo. We use Tivo for security reasons because they are working pre- predominantly with Muslims. It's a city about a half hour away from us, and there's about 200,000 people in this whole area, and about 80% of them are Muslims. No evangelical church in this whole area of Tetovo, and possibly no born-again believer amongst the Albanian community. It's so lost. It is an unreached people group today. Send International with other organizations are partnering together, and we are praying for 20 workers by 2020, 20 disciples by 2020, and to have an evangelical church in this Muslim area by 2020. We're also praying for 1,000 people that are willing 
and desiring for God to break down those walls in Jesus' name. If you want to be a part of this movement for God to work and to raise up disciples in Tetovo, please take one of these today. There's an email here that, which I received. And be one of the thousand prayer warriors to pray that God would raise up a church in this Islamic community of nearly 200,000 people. God can do it. God can do it. There is hope. And then the word says here in verse 8, and you will be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. When Jesus was saying this to his disciples, he was there in Israel. In relationship to Israel, when Jesus spoke this, I honestly believe that the ends of the, worth, ends of the world today is Mound, Minnesota. It's right here. Israel is kind of far away, and, and praise God for the church that he has raised up to the ends of the earth. In Mound, Minnesota, here in Minnesota, what God is doing in and through you, making disciples, praise the Lord. I'm honestly encouraged by Pastor Dave. He has the heart for discipleship, to raise up people like Guy, like Seth, like Caleb, Matt, others in this community, in this church here. Praise the Lord for that. Be encouraged that God has saved you today. Be encouraged that gospel has come to the ends of the world. It has come to Mound Evangelical Free Church. And he wants to go beyond the four walls. God is calling us to go and to be its witnesses into our communities, our workplaces, our schools, to testify how much Jesus Christ loves me, loves you, and loves them. There is hope today. Verses 9 and 11, it says here, After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside him. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you to heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him going to heaven. Do you believe that Jesus Christ is coming back one day? Coming back soon? Are you ready for the second coming? Are you ready for Christ to return? A question for you. If you were put on trial today for being a disciple of Christ or a Christian, would you be convicted for being a follower of Christ? Or do, they pe or do people just see you like one of the rest of the world? If today you were put on trial for being a disciple of Christ, what would they say about you? Guilty or innocent? What would people say? Can they see Christ's love in you? Can they see that you are praying, that you're following Christ, that you're in the word, that you're showing love of God? Can they see Christ in you? If you're put on trial today, what would they say about you? What would they say about me? Turn with me to 1 Thessalonians 
chapter 5, 1 through 11. It just talks about the day of the Lord, about Christ coming back. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, 1 through 11. Now, brothers and sisters at Mount Free, about times and dates, we do not need to write to you. For you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying, peace and safety, destruction will come on them suddenly as labor pains on a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. But you, brothers and sisters, are not in darkness, so that this day shall surprise you like a thief. You are all children of the light and children of the day. We do not belong to the night or to, or to the darkness. So then, let us not be like others who are asleep, but let us be awake and sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, putting on faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. He died for us, so that whether we are awake or are asleep, we may live together with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just as in fact you are doing. Christ is coming back. Are we asleep or are we awake? What do people see in you today? Maybe some of you may think, yeah, this is a great message. I feel challenged to go and share Christ. But maybe some of you today are wondering, if I were to die, if today was my last day, where would I go? I'm not 100% sure that I would go to heaven. I think I'm a good person. I go to church normally. I give my tithes. I show kindness, but I'm a good person. If you are not 100% sure, today is the day of salvation. It really is as simple as A, B, C. First of all, A, admit that you are a sinner. The Bible clearly says that for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Because of our sin, we deserve hell. But because God loves us, he took on the wrath of God. He died in your place. That while we're still sinners, Christ died for you and for me. So that we can have a relationship with him and be with him forever. It's our sin that separates us from the holy God. B. Believe that Jesus Christ died and rose again for you. Not just generally he died for the whole world, but he died for you. In your place. The Bible says in Romans 10, 9, that if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Is Christ Lord of your life? Have you surrendered your life to him? To say, Lord, I take up my cross and I follow you. My life is yours. Then see, confess Christ as your Lord and Savior. Make him your treasure, your Lord, your Savior, your boss. Jesus, you're my all in all. It says clearly there in John 14, 6, Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. 
Christ either here is a lunatic, he's crazy, he's lying big time here, or else he's Lord. What's your decision today? Who is Jesus Christ in your life? Is he Lord? Is he leading your life? If you're not sure, 100%, please today, open up your heart in your life, confess your sin, and ask Christ to come in and be Lord of your life. Receive him through faith. If you have questions, talk to Dave, talk to myself, talk to some of the leaders, elders here in the church. They'd love to talk to you about starting a relationship with Jesus Christ. It changes your world, and it will rock your life. A challenge for the rest of us. I believe most of us have given our lives to Christ, maybe at age 3 or age 6 like me, or maybe at age 33. I do not know, but God knows. I know Pastor Dave in the past years has challenged you to pray and to share Christ with your top five friends, your top five key people. And I want to challenge that again for you today. Who are your five key people that you would say, if today, say I have a year left in my life, these are the five people I want to pray for. It's my neighbor, my co-worker, my mother, my son. Who are those five key people that you are asking God to save before it's too late? I'm going to have a couple of people come up here um, and hand these out. Thank you. And Guy, could you also come? and Please take this. It's the Pray for Tivo. You can pray for Tivo or for Tetivo. But this time, take out your pens also and write those five key people that you are praying for. Please hand those out. Thank you, men. And I want to challenge you, these next 30 days, would you pray for those five friends, maybe co-workers, son, brother, father, whoever they are in your life, pray for them that one day that they would be saved. So take, take a minute or two in and write those names down now. As you write their names down, I just want to share my five. My first is my daughter, Hope. Hope is four and a half years old. She knows that Jesus is God, dying on the cross. Sometimes she thinks she believes in Jesus, sometimes she doesn't. But we're sharing the gospel with her and praying for our daughter, Hope, to know Christ as her Lord and Savior. The next ones are our landlords. We just moved 12 days before we came back to America. That's where all my hair went, I think. But for our landlords, their names are Zvonko and Eleonora. Um, we're praying for them to know Christ and that they would be saved one day. My last two are some of our really good Macedonian friends. We have known for, I think, nine years now. He's a professor of biology. She works in a clinic, Mitko and Tanya. Praying that God would one day save our good Macedonian friends. And at times it seemed discouraging. I've shared with Mitko and Tanya many times. And sometimes it's like, Lord, what do I do? I'm called to pray and to keep sharing and showing God's love 
to them. So I challenge you once again to take the next 30 days and to pray for those five key friends, people in your life as you pray for the city of Tetovo in Macedonia. Let me read this once again, verses 7 and 8 in Acts 1. So Jesus said to them, his disciples, It's not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Mount Free, where is your Jerusalem today? Your Judea, your Samaria, and the ends of the earth. And what are you doing about it? I challenge you and I challenge myself. Let's take action. Life is short. We're not guaranteed tomorrow. But today is a day of salvation. So let's share Christ with love, with passion, with boldness. For someone shared Christ with you. And praise God for that, that you guys know Christ today. Who are you called to go and share Christ this coming week? Let's pray. Jesus, we are simple, ordinary people, like the disciples were. We are needy of a shepherd, needing you to guide us, to direct us. We're hungry and we're thirsty, God. We need you. A lot of times it is fear that holds us back. Lack of knowledge. Discouragement. God, I just pray. Give us that hope. Give us that joy. Give us that, that strength that you're calling us. Lord, you know those five people in each one of us. Lord, there's nearly 100 people here today. That's 500 people that we're praying for this coming month. I pray in Jesus' name Save these 500 people for your glory's sake that they will be home one day with you forever. And use us as your church here at Mount Evangelical Free to be your arms and your feet, the words, the love, that we are not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of God for the salvation of all who believe, for the Jew, for the Gentile, the people here in this community of Mound. We need you, we love you, and we just pray, use us to make disciples for your glory's sake. In Jesus' name, amen.